What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Hiker Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Hamilton. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode of the podcast, uh, the new video edition of the podcast. It's, uh, it's, it's tricky to keep up. It's tricky to keep up, but that's the trials and tribulations of, I suppose, trying to run a podcast while also, you know, wearing many different hats in a startup. Uh, things have been pretty hectic over the last couple of weeks. Uh, both personally and with Hiker. Hiker is just continuing to grow uh, as we more add more trails, we get more maps on, new users are coming onto the platform. So it's great to see Hiker grow so so well and so fast and the community around it has just been so supportive. Um, personally, I was in Tenerife uh, with my partner, with Sharon, for, for a week, just over a week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was just an amazing experience if you've never been to, to Tenerife or the Canary Islands to, to hike uh, it's not something that generally comes up people especially in Ireland and the UK they think of Tenerife as a, a package holiday a resort uh, that you would have went on in, certainly in my generation uh, uh, in your in your childhood um, so we never like turned around from the beach and looked up to the mountains um, it was an amazing experience. Got to do some incredible hikes in Anaga and uh, was lucky enough to summit uh, Tede, which is the highest peak in Spain. It's a volcano, it's actually an active volcano. Um, and f- word to the wise, when you get to the top, it's, it stinks. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of sulfur up there and, and it does it does stink, uh, I will say. It doesn't spoil the view, but certainly catches you off guard. So that in mind when you're going to the top um, it's also been just a crazy week of, of traveling around for hiker as well we we got the chance to go to new york city last week and we were pitching to uh, a, a potential investors in in the u.s and uh, we got to to meet a lot of people from the tech and startup uh, and entrepreneur world in in new york city and luckily enough i also got to met, meet some friends and some other people from uh, the hiking and the outdoor scene uh, while I was over there as well so uh, it was just a, it was a really worthwhile trip over and we can't wait to go over again so this week on the podcast I'm joined by Matthew Usherwood Matthew is the host of the Humans of the Trail podcast he's also someone who's flown the flag for inclusivity and more diversity in the outdoors and in hiking in the UK for quite a while now uh, he's a longtime supporter of the podcast and I uh, even appeared on his podcast a, a good while back. So if you're interested in hearing me yarn on about building a certain hiking app, uh, go check that out. It's the Humans of the Trail podcast and find it wherever you get your podcasts from. I really enjoyed this conversation with Matthew. We share a very similar kind of uh, inclusive and uh, diverse outlook on what the outdoors uh, industry could look like in the future and talk about how we might get there. We also just enjoy, you know, a conversation about life and, you know, being parents and trying to, to bring a family up in uh, a very uncertain worlds and trying to bring them up in the outdoors as well. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Matthew Usherwood. They've got yeah. in jokes. It's like, it's like watching... No, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You have to know. You have to be watching the show. <laughs> the joke. You know? It's so like that, isn't it? You, yeah, like from as somebody who listens to it occasionally uh, from this side of the pond, I'm like, 
thinking I don't I don't know what's going on. There's a joke here. I don't get it. Clearly, I, I, I've missed that campfire moment where you should. <laughs> they're totally in jokes, but like it's got a really good kind of setup. It's got a good vibe. It's funny. I can see why you know they're one of the biggest outdoor podcasts really out there at the moment and that's even from because I, I look at statistics and things uh anyway for these podcasts and you know i noticed they're usually in the top 20 at least for kind of wilderness which is our category podcasts in the uk yeah. which is pretty impressive given that you know they have almost no um geographical relevance for europe and the uk yeah well i guess it's it's kind of a sign of of the uh the rise in popularity of through hiking or that kind of um younger generation of long distance hikers because like you know yourself like long distance hikers over the years have have generally or I suppose hikers or walkers you know have been generally older and they, they you know they they wouldn't be like sleeping out in a, a z packs you know piece of cling film type tent and you know ultra light yeah. was not really a thing it was just you know uh, walking a trail over a certain amount of time whereas now the through hike kind of generation has come through from the states and is definitely starting to make a lot more of an appearance over here with the likes of you know uh easy dexter and, and impala and and that, that kind of those kind of guys that have brought that culture over to the uk and this was uh, the pandemic was a big kickoff for that when we had um the the uh, I think Impala was trying to call it like the bubble, the end to end bubble, yeah. uh, getting people out hiking that trail, and and it worked, you know, a big time. Like that, the end to end trail was one of the most popular trails in twenty twenty one, I believe, um, if not the most yeah. popular trail uh, in terms of like searches on on Google, like not just it's, on Hiker on 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 Google. It, it's wild. I mean, the the hiking scene as long as I've been in the outdoor industry has changed and the outdoor scene actually to, to put a broader spin on it has changed massively. I remember when I started sort of getting into outdoorsy things, which was when I was 18 and I'm 34 now. Um, and it was so different back then. Like I started my, um, lovely outdoors of climbing and hiking as well. And kind of bagging Wainwrights, was never a thing I just like and it wasn't that long ago really you know it's it's <laughs> this side of the millennium but um I, you know bagging Wainwrights was just not a thing Instagram on the mount you know taking Instagram shots in the mountain was just not a thing looking trendy outdoors like no chance you know you looked like a total geek with your slightly baggy waterproof trousers on even if it was the latest gear um you know and and any kind of ruffled up backpack that had come from what's what's the brand i don't know like your old low alpine backpack and things like that and none of it looked good but you know we were hiking and we looked the same as the ramblers association who kind of walked past at the same time and it just was not a good look and when you got down to the pub you put your normal trousers on because you didn't want to look like you've been hiking and when i got into climbing as well you know even back then climbers were the most obscure uncool bunch of people ever and the whole thing has changed that. I see hikers on the mountain and they look really fashionable. I'm like, when did hiking become fashionable? Climbers look fashionable. Mountain bikes look fashionable. The whole thing has changed. And the whole, like, actually just going out and doing it is is an acceptable pastime rather than like, oh, you go hiking. Like, it's just a normal thing to do. It's so strange. And definitely the pandemic has sped that up. But that shift towards outdoor becoming fashionable has, like, has been happening for quite some time now 
Um, I mean, there's even Gorpcore, which is outdoor inspired fashion. I found out this term about three months ago. <laughs> and I thought, hang on, <laughs> this is actually a thing where you can go and wear outdoor clothes and it be trendy. Yeah. Uh, you these these like models who wear these outdoor clothes are wearing what I used to wear. And <laughs> it was never trendy when I used to do it. Why didn't I define fashion? But I love it. Like, I think it's amazing that that outdoors has become totally mainstream and it comes with challenges. But um yeah, it was never it was never that in when I was doing it, you know, back in two thousand I think seven seven, I think, or six, I started kind of getting into climbing the things. So yeah, it's it's crazy how it's just blown up over the last kind of 15 years really yeah it, 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 like when we started hiker back it was like 20 it was just before the pandemic um mm. paul was kind of a one-man band and at the time the founder and and i kind of was uh tagging along uh, little bits of it because i wasn't a big hiker at all but i certainly like we, we tagged a hiking trip along with a surfing trip. So surfing was my first kind of intro to like outdoor sports, at, uh, you know, any kind of outdoor sports. And we were like, oh, we go for a nice walk in, you know, the West of Ireland. And that then turned into hiking. And then we started getting into longer stuff. And and it was still like, like it was getting more popular. I think apps like all trails were in like the, their early embers um and view ranger was maybe like a, the first iteration of view ranger was starting to become a thing but like it was still very much like a a a rounders association type type uh kind of a product people were still just using paper paper maps and compasses back then and um it was still very uncool and then we had this idea of like well let's make it cool and then little did we know that people were already trying to make it cool for years and uh we just got in at the right moment um, but yeah, you're right. Like Gorkor is just like crazy. It's it, it reminds me almost of like when you know models started wearing uh, Deftones t-shirts and Slayer yeah. t-shirts, and you're like, name one Slayer song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where were you when I was a teenager wearing this stuff? <laughs> exactly. And it was it was just it was nothing cool about it, and now it's 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 in fashion. Um, it, yeah. it is wild, like how how things are changing, and like you. You know, I, as I say, I started my love of outdoors. My gateway drug was climbing. Um, I used to climb loads. And, you know, hiking was an extension of that. You had to hike to get to some of the good climbs. And, you know, they weren't, you'd, you'd celebrate when there was some good climbing by a road, but often that's not the case. You know, particularly in Wales or the Lake District, you had to put your bag on, you had to put your kit in, you had to carry 20 kilos worth of climbing gear, more than you often needed, but you took it up anyway because it was gear and, you know, everyone wanted to carry their gear around. Yeah. And, you know, and and you just sort of found I found walking through that it was it was a means to an end at that point um, for me. But um, and I think, you know, it was for a lot of younger people who, you know, did climbing and other such things as well. Like, you know, even mountain biking, I think, is is one of those sports where, you know, there's a, a bit of um, not mountain, but yeah, mountain biking where there's a bit of walking involved as well. So I think a lot of people it's a means to an end. But I think through doing it, you find like that actually you enjoy the walking in itself and then it just becomes something that you want to do without the the climbing attached to it um and that was my kind of gateway to it but yeah i i'm super excited in the direction that i see 
the outdoor industry and uh, say the industry that makes it sound like it's more about the companies who do it so the outdoor community yeah. go i think it's going in a really really exciting direction and there's so much diversity growing into that space at the moment and yeah i just love how many people from all different backgrounds are just going you know what i don't want to go drink on a friday night i want to go camp on a mountain somewhere and maybe take my drinks with me, but I want to go camp on a mountain somewhere and and just have a completely kind of different and wholesome experience to what young people, you know, would do when I was younger. And that's for me is like super exciting. Yeah, it does definitely come with its challenges, though. Like, as you said there, like people do use that as an excuse to, you know, bring a bring a slab of cans out into the uh, into the wild. Mm. Um, you know, then you have like the litter and all that kind of stuff. And that that is the, the bad side of it. But you're kind of you know almost being a little bit relaxed in that kind of stuff where you're like hopefully you'll start to see like what you're doing and that like this is actually a positive uh you know experience where you're spending more time outdoors and you will not do that anymore um but on the whole it is it is i suppose shining a torch on the outdoors community and the the luxuries that we as especially in where we are in the world as well that, that we have uh, with the outdoors right at our footstep like look at you guys in the uk like you have the absolutely stunning national parks that are there the peak district the, the lake district in wales you've snowdonia you've got uh, the bracken beacons you've got exmoor dartmoor and then up into scotland you know just like absolutely stunning landscapes um and and over here as well, we do have like the luxury of these things being right at our foot, at our doorstep. Um, but people haven't really noticed them before, and now it's finally getting a, a, a torch shone on them uh, to show you that you can go and out, go out and do these things. They're alternative experiences. You don't need to have spend you know hundreds of pounds on a Saturday night. You can you know get a I don't know what are they, the, the that brand the. Uh, you just get a meal in a bag, you know, and sit in your tent and, and yeah, a sip of whiskey and, and you're going to have just as much of a, a good time as, as, uh, as a few pints. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So we, we, we dove right in. We're already 15 we minutes. We did. We got stuck in there 15 <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell our audience who you are, what you do? Uh, uh, yeah, of, of course. Um, so where do I start? Um, so I'm Matthew and I, I'm also a podcaster, um, although you're more than a podcaster, I'm sort of, I'm just a podcaster, um, but I'm, I'm a marketeer and a podcaster by trade, I guess. Um, I'm also a huge advocate for out, getting outdoors and just experiencing nature in your own way, um, in particular trails. So I run a podcast, if you don't mind me plugging it straight away. I run a podcast called uh, Humans of the Trail. Recently rebranded from the Distance Hiker podcast, if that sounds familiar. Um, and what it really and what it and I am really about is just sharing stories of ordinary people on the trail. And it doesn't have to be long distance hiking in particular. I have an interest in just all trail users, whether that's runners, walkers, people in, uh, you know, who struggle with mobility. So wheelchair users, um, cyclists, anything really goes. I think that access to trails is probably one of the most important things that a society can have access to amongst other kind of things like healthcare and you know access to water clean water and food and things but i think trails are such an underrated um resource for us and 
you know, there's projects like Slowways that really highlight that as well, which I think are really worth looking at. And the reason that these projects are cropping up and that I'm doing what I'm doing is because I feel that as a society, if we had better access to trails, and we do have good access to trails in the UK, but also globally, we would have a happier and healthier society. Because, you know, by getting people outside and getting them outdoors and engaged in nature, what happens is they start to take ownership and pride in the natural spaces, but also their health, and they go hand in hand with each other. And I think that then means that people start really wanting to think about how can I conserve and protect my local area and if you really start to love something and really start to connect with that area that intensifies that deepens and you become to you get to know your local community and you get to be involved in a, in a wholly different way to what you would have if you hadn't actually go out on the trail in the first place so I think it's just a catalyst to, to change with a lot of people it has been for me um, and it has been for a lot of people in the hiking community so that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So yeah, my my first kind of thing I do is podcasting. I have this podcast to talk to loads of amazing folks who kind of get out walking. Um, and then I'm a trail user myself. And um, I'm not a long distance hiker. I did run a long distance hiking podcast. And I realized that with two kids and a full-time job and running a podcast and other such commitments around that, um, you know, I just didn't have the opportunity anymore to do long distance hiking. Um, I have done in the past, but not at the moment. And I thought, well, I'm going to make a podcast around just the trails, which is why I rebranded quite recently from Distance Hiker to Humans of the Trail. Um, and I couldn't be happier with the result of it because I feel I have a podcast and a brand that is authentically aligned with me and what I'm interested in. Um, and it could, feels completely right and the feedback's been great so far. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, I love running. Um, I love doing a bit of walking. Running is my go-to at the moment because it fits in so nicely with having kids. Um, <laughs> you can get a lot more distance running than you can going for a walk. Um, it hurt for a little bit, but start is, it hurts less now. Um, and I just I just find it fantastic. Um, I love jumping into cold water, which, um, you know, wild swimming, as it's called now, which is, you know, getting as many haters as it is lovers. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that, that's me in a nutshell. And by day, I work for a major outdoor company uh, in marketing. Um, and then I do the podcast and everything in the evenings, fitting around um, everything else, really. So um, yeah, uh, not particularly great at talking about myself, but uh, there we go. Oh, no, well, like, it, it, I'm the exact same, but we're, I think we're two, we're two peas in a pod here, uh, both marketeers working in the outdoors industry and love trails yeah. and running as well. And maybe I'll, we'll... We'll poke holes in or poke into the the, the running and the trail running type stuff as well. Sounds uh, good. But so, in terms of, of hiking, have you have you done? Uh, you know, I'm sure you've done much a lot of hiking. Have you done any distance trails? Any long distance? Yeah. Trails? So my experience of long distance hiking is actually abroad. Um, so okay. how I, I fell into this in a really funny way. So when I was at university, so uh, over ten years ago now, I'm a bit further I guess um I went away on an experience with a with a charity who kind of focuses on um I say inverted commas which you can't see international development which is a, a load of bs it was just a, a bunch of rich kids uh, and I, I was not one of them um who went away on, on basically a trip to do a bunch of uh, things like you know build uh toilets where there were no toilets um in poor communities and, a bunch, and conservation things like um uh, turtle conservation on the beach it was an amazing experience for 22 year old me at the time 
Um, and I also had the opportunity to, opportunity to do my first long distance hike. Now, the name of the hike evades me. It is an established long distance hike, but I've done some research and I cannot work out what it is. But basically, it was in Nicaragua and it stretched from two volcanoes um, in Nicaragua. And I think it was about 190 kilometers um, over about two weeks. And we carried about 20 kilos of kit. There was no lightweight hiking kit provided. We had kind of heavy bags that were by themselves about two kilos, trangias, big tents that you had to kind of spread over the whole group, all of our food, which mainly consisted of pork and beans. Um, and it was hot and it was hard and I loved it. And I then did it again when I went back with the charity on a work basis um, in uh, a couple of years later. And we did another trek in India um, through the Kerala. And so those are my two experiences, long distance hiking. And I loved them. They held, I just held on to them so tightly as these two life-changing moments for me where I learned a heck of a lot about myself and I realized that I love sleeping in the dirt and I love carrying big weights on my back although I don't anymore because I get lightweight kits and all that um, and they completely changed me but when I got back to the UK I didn't even know at the time that there was such a thing as long distance trails so I never carried it on um, I just went straight back to my love of climbing and it was actually working then by chance with a company who does long distance hiking holidays that I started to realize there was uh, a thing called long distance hiking. Um, however, I went the other way and started doing a bit of long distance bike um, touring. So the Way of the Roses was one of them and uh, the uh, Pennine Bridleway was another one I did. Um, but I still love climbing more than anything. So I just did loads of climbing. But when I left that particular um, business, uh, I have a, I guess I'd say a, a slightly entrepreneurial kind of brain, but I'm also not very good at making money, but I wanted to start something else for myself. So I started a walking holiday company in the long distance hiking niche and I loved it. Like I used to arrange people's walking holidays. It was the weirdest kind of transition into this. And through that, I kind of snaked my way through into this long, long distance hiking community. Um, so yeah, in, back to your question, I don't have a great deal of experience long distance hiking, but I do have a lot of experience getting out, doing a lot of walking, a lot of climbing, um, a lot of being outside. And I can define myself as somebody who just spends a heck of a lot, a lot of time in nature and is quite happy to walk big distances with a bag on my back if, if I want to. Um, and I feel massively fortunate to be able to do so. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, like I, I've very little long distance hiking experience myself you know uh considering that hiker originally was a long distance hiking app specifically built for long distance hiking planning mm. navigation and all that kind of stuff and you know my first long, long distance experience was uh, in abroad as well i went to yosemite and i did a four or five day trek around yosemite national park amazing experience absolutely like almost life-changing experience you know um and then i did a couple of trails i think at the south downs way in the uk yeah. uh i've done the wicklow way here in ireland and a couple of other like smaller long this long distance you know like you know a couple of days three or four day kind of trips but like you know considering like the conversations that i've had i'm sure and you've had these same conversations with people that have spent months literally months yeah. in some cases you know I, I spoke to um andrew terrell i don't know if you uh, I, I, his podcast coming out uh two or three weeks time of mine so yeah i've spoken to him now 
Fantastic. Have you have you read his book? Uh, well, his books. He's I, got have, to... I have. Yeah, yeah. I finished his first book, but not his second. But yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable, isn't it? His story is absolutely incredible. So he spent like eighteen months walking from the tip of the boot of Italy right up to the Arctic Circle in Norway, um, all conditions and just nonstop. I think he maybe had like one or two breaks, uh, or a handful of breaks where he stayed in a hotel, but like kind of have to give it to him like at that, at that that point and then other people that are walking around the planet you know walking from as uh, had a friend, french guy his name escapes me right now that is walking from paris he's still doing this like i spoke to him 18 months ago and he's still walking okay. right now. and he's he's going through australia now i believe and um, right. you then to go on to the united states and do the pct as part of this round the world yeah. trip um but yeah sorry like my my point I'm is gonna, I'll, I'll steal that guest from you i'm gonna find out who that is that sounds like a good one really interesting really friendly guy as well um but my point being is that you know you can you can involve yourselves in, in these communities support them as as you have as well and you can know so much about them just because you're speaking to so many people that's in it um mm. you can be a you know, I'm, I'm a father myself. Uh, my daughter is a bit, bit older now and she actually did the South Downs Way with me reluctantly. Uh, uh, she'll probably say it very reluctantly. Um, but uh, you can still kind of live within these communities and you can support those communities as well. I think that's an important thing to, to mention as well because I, you know, for a long time, especially when I started... Um, the Facebook group, uh, which is probably an important thing to to, to add, is I, I kind of admin um, very passively now a Facebook group around um, long distance hiking. And when I set that up um, and really started diving into this, I felt like such an imposter. I was like, well, who am I to be a part of this community if I don't have time to really do the things which, you know, the community does? Um, and I think there was some fairness in that in some ways, because actually, you know, I I would have been maybe not. It would have been lovely to be able to do more of that, and I and I and I want to, but at the same time, I am somebody. I know I'm going to go and hike long distance trails at some point in the future, yeah. and do a lot more of it. The reality for me right now is the passion is there, but the time is not. You know, I have two kids, and what I don't want to do is miss my kids. Uh, it's hugely important to me because I've made a you know a conscious choice to be a father that I actually live up to that and I spend the time being a father. However, there is a balance to capture between being a dad and also having some time to myself. So that's where going out on the weekends comes into its own or even taking my kids out on longer trails, shorter trails, sorry, with me. But um, imposter syndrome is real and I for sure felt it big time. Um, and I would say that, you know, imposter syndrome was one of the reasons I've also rebranded to a point because I thought, well, actually, I want something that embodies where I'm at now as well, mm. rather than where I kind of where I, I wish I, I could be, which is doing more trails. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I, I I at some point will be this long distance hiker. I imagine I will be. Um, but I'm also at peace that that's probably not going to happen for another 10 years or so until my kids are you know, not interested in spending any time with me whatsoever when they're teenagers, but that is not now. Um, so I will, I will quite happily wait and enjoy the littleness of the two children, seven and uh, four that I have at the moment while they're still interested in, you know, playing with me and, you know, putting Legos together and things like that. Yeah. I'm certainly in the, uh, the teenage bracket now. Uh, she 
zero time for me <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping that I, I planted the seed a little bit early you know and then she'll go through her teenage years and be like hey you like hiking and spending time in the outdoors can you teach me a thing or two so hopefully it'll come back to yeah. that but until then until then sure until then though like you're you're spending a bit of time out running so are you trail running do you spend out on the trail yeah. road so i my 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 journey into running started um last year when and it was very sporadic last year when i actually you know um john uh beamson from robust tours because he did a yes. Yes. collaboration or uh, rest in peace robust tours because they're now closed um i did, attended two of his events and his first event was the 50 kilometer kind of ultra marathon it was a kind of it's a walking ultra basically almost like the uh, active challenge ones um people for people listening um that might kind of draw a distinction as to what they were like um with a slightly eerie edge to them um and i did the 50 kilometer one because i never actually walked 50 kilometers in a day um it's not all that far like for a lot of people especially seasoned ultra runners it's about 30 miles or so but i did it and it hurt like crazy and i thought oh okay that was manageable it took me a few days to recover afterwards so then i signed up to his i think it was 70 kilometer one um later on that year in october and i did that again as well um with the 70 kilometer one i did a bit of running in between parts of it mostly when no one's watching and I felt all right. I did that in a respectable time. Um, don't ask me the time because I can't remember, but I was quite pleased with it at the time. Um, and I trained for it by running because I just didn't have the time to do long walks to train for a long walk. So I was like, right, I'm just going to get strong calf muscles and you know just run and stretch and get through it that way. Um, and it was after doing those, I was like, actually, I quite enjoy the running side of this more than the walking at the moment. I enjoyed the fact that you can go out on the trail, you can do an hour, you know, and feel like you've had a really good workout, be out of breath and, you know, get fitter and stronger and feel it, feel that fitness and strength and also that mental resilience kind of coming to you almost with every run. Mm -hmm. um, and come 2023 this year, I committed to just getting out more. And I just realized that I'm making excuses every time I go, I can't bother to go for a run. I just got, I'd had some running gear by the door, had some shoes by the door and I just got out and went running. Um, and it started with um, weekly check-ins at park run. So I thought, right, if I'm going to run, I'm going to have like a check-in at a park run. So I've done a, a few now um, this year, which has been pretty good. And I also then started just going out in the evenings, doing the trails and just going a bit further and further and further. Um, and I'm not running huge distances. It's sort of 10 to 15 kilometers. Um, but I absolutely love it. And, you know, my plan is to continue just to enjoy running this year without a competitive spirit to it see how far I can push myself because I know if I can walk 70 kilometers you know I would imagine in a couple of months six months time I can probably run you know a half marathon a full marathon um, or compete in a you know a casual non-competitive ultra or something like that um, so I love it like it's it's new to me very new to me um, I went and bought one of these fancy race vests because I saw everybody use them and I thought that looks good. I want to carry my water with me when I'm doing this, like something slightly longer than five kilometers and I feel I actually need a drink. Um, and I think it's a absolutely amazing way of spending a couple of hours that fits in so nicely with family life. It's such an accessible way to get fit. It makes you feel amazing afterwards and you feel really badass when you're running down the hill past all the walkers and everything. Because um, <laughs> I always see people running past when I'm walking. I'm like, <clears throat> that looks way, way much more fun than what I'm doing um and yeah I, i'm i'm totally for it i think it's if you can run then 
you know, it, it's a fantastic way to, to spend some time. Um, you know, and I, I walk up the hills as well, and I just run down the hills and run on the flats, and it kind of get eliminates that feeling of oh, I should be really fit enough to run up the hills. And like I'm not fit enough to sprint up these hills. I'm just going to enjoy walking up them and then recover on the way down. Yeah, well, like we're we're not Kylian Journey, we're not you know we're n- none of these like ultra athletes. Uh, we're just trying to spend as much quality time in the outdoors as you can. Yeah, uh, like I, I've I've been running quite a bit lately. Well, for the last couple of years, I've I've definitely thrown crushing. You've been on the ultras, haven't you? You've been absolutely yeah, been smashing. I, I have because I, I I'm maybe <laughs> I'm a little bit you know too competitive for my own nature. I'll be, like I'll just throw my tail in and say you know I'm I'm going for it. You know I will, and I kind of bite off a little bit too more uh, much. You know more than I can chew. Um, but it's it's really is enjoyable, especially the days where you aren't you know set to a particular time. You're not set to a particular distance. You're just out, and you want to go out and just enjoy uh, your local national park or your local, <laughs> local trails. Um, but is like as you said, it, it ties in so well with family life because you might say, well, I, "I'd love to actually get out and you know go you know fifteen kilometers today on trails." Uh, but to do that with a family. Yeah. means you know four hours three to four hours of, yeah. of, of time that you could be spending with them whereas if you're doing it over you know two you know you can get up get it done get it done as well and like this whole like box mentality but like if you get out there early you're beating a lot of the walkers you're getting the sunrise you're getting like the early starts and you're getting that nice cup of coffee at the end you know it's a little reward totally. um, so you're still get it's it's hiking but faster. That's that's usually how I yeah. see it. It's just an it's a not and if you're getting into the ultra stuff, then it's just a nice long day in the mountains. You know that's that's my best way of looking at it. Like you're not out trying to win anything. Although sometimes I do have that. I I just get it in my head like maybe I'll win even though I've got Kilian Journey in the same race as me. There's absolutely no chance in hell that I'm going to be able to win it. But um. It, yeah, it's it's the it's the two of them kind of they cross over nicely. Um, however, you know, yeah, running up hills is not fun. <laughs> no, I, running up hills is the the thing I, I don't like. But you know what what I really struck me about running, and bear in mind, I was somebody who thought running was stupid. You know, six months ago, really, I thought running's really boring. Why do I want to run? And you know, I, I like doing things that are more interesting and more skilled than running. And I really had this prejudice around it. And the more I do it, the more I realize there is a skill to it. It's actually not all that boring. The thing is, it just hurts when you kind of, it just hurts all the time. It's not, it's not a one of those sports you do at any point where it feels amazing. There's always an underlying level of, oh, this is, this is sore. But what I really like is that type two fun is you go, once you finish and you get to the car, you're sad it's over and you're also happy it's over at the same time and it feels so rewarding like it feels so good knowing that you kind of you look at your tracker if you are tracking anything and you see you've done you know a good amount of mileage you then think god that would have taken me ages if I walked it and you just feel genuinely impressed of your ability to do that um and then you can see especially at the point I'm at which is very much beginner running you can see the gains very quickly which is like keeps you massively psyched for it um, and that's what I used to find when I started climbing is I used to really enjoy seeing those gains kind of occur really quickly. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a very kind of busy, quite hyperactive person. And 
and I, you know, I love a good endorphin rush. So see, being able to go, oh, like better than last week for me is huge, a huge reward. So yeah, I'm a massive advocate for it. And I think uh, I'm not going to be slowing down anytime soon because it just fits in so nicely with, uh, with, with everything at the moment for me. And it, I, I think it is quite a good gateway for a lot of uh, people to get into the outdoors as well, because like running is running obviously running in the trails is very different to running on road in terms of like technicalities and like the strength and stuff that you need but it's much more translatable i think uh, than a lot of other sports so like get like mountain biking it's not you know it's expensive to get into that whereas trail yes. running yes there is you have to get the right runners you have to get possibly a race vest but once you have the access to the outdoors it's and you have, you know, some knowledge of routes, you know, little hiker blog there, but you're, you're able to, to access it, you know, you're, you're there for you to get out to. And the same with hiking as well, you know, hiking, I think hiking is a little bit different in that, like it still has that old kind of nature to it where, um, you know, oh, hiking is for people that, you know, mountaineers, that's what that's for. Yes. Whereas trail running, I, I feel that that is kind of, it, there's a crossover, a really strong crossover between road running and with trail running and both communities kind of cross over. Like a lot of running clubs will have people that, you know, runners that run both on trails and, you know, on track and on road and on, you know, cross country and all that kind of stuff. So it, I think there is a nice gateway and that's something that you advocate quite a lot for is, you know, getting more people from more diverse backgrounds, all sorts of backgrounds getting them into the outdoors so i think that's a it's a good gateway for people to get in that yeah and that's an interesting segue actually because from one of the you know i'm a i'm a white dude who has all the privilege in the world to be able to do these things and you know i didn't come from a rich family but i came from a wealthy enough family you know working middle class or you know my dad was a police officer my mom worked as a teaching assistant and you know, we had enough resources to be able to enjoy, you know, a couple of holidays a year and, you know, for my parents to retire comfortably and for them to enjoy, you know, um, retirement to around 50 and to do all the things they love doing. Um, and for us to have like an experience of going on two skiing holidays or something. So, you know, we weren't poor, but we also had those lovely experiences. And so my, my partner, she won't mind me saying this, she is the total opposite. She grew up um, in uh, a poor part of uh, South Wales in Newport. Um, she is, or oh, so was, sorry, originally from, uh, moved over from Yemen and she had a, a, an upbringing completely different to mine. She hadn't really experienced the outdoors and getting outside and anything to do with nature until she moved off to university, left university. And then when she was kind of working and moved into her own house, some years later, she joined the mountaineering club, which is actually where we met. Um, and had her first exposure walking up Triffin and she was doing it in like you know, cotton clothing and got completely drenched through and loved the experience. Um, and it blew my mind when I first met her. And I was like, you never went outside as a, you know, as a child. So you were not allowed to go kind of walking and hiking and doing all the things which I was allowed to do. Um, and I, you know, she even now you can see the reservations of her wanting to go outside and walk in, you know, on her own, um, because it's so foreign to her that she'll quite comfortably go out with me but it just seems completely alien to her to go and just wild camp in the in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night she's like why would i go camp in the middle of the woods at night i've got a comfortable bed here um yeah. it's dangerous doing that because that's her experience it would have been you know in, in the past for her to do that where she had access to do it which wasn't 
the kind of place you'd want to. Um, so, you know, as a family who's raising two mixed race children, um, I feel I have a responsibility to advocate for that as an ally for, you know, for individuals and groups of people who cannot get out and do those things. And it's frustrating to me. Well, it's not frustrating, but I, I feel like I can't ever fully understand what it's like to not, not have grown up with that access, but at least I have some level of appreciation for it based on my close experiences, which is my partner and my children and her, her family as well. Um, and I feel with that experience, I want to be as best at, as good as ally as I can for anybody who hasn't had that experience in their life. So yeah, it's a massively important thing for me kind of talking about the diversity thing, but it's also even for me with somebody who has a good level of understanding for it, a really difficult subject to approach. It's mm. difficult to talk about. It's, you, I think people get scared of getting the language wrong as well, which is okay. Um, and you know, it's sometimes hard to know where to even start with it and even to see the problems that are in front of you. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think it's I'm really glad you raised that and I'm glad I've had a chance to talk about it. And one thing I do try to do in my podcast is try and get a range of different voices on, which I know you do as well, because what I don't want it to be is just me talking about, you know, hiking and walking from my perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is the kind of the nature of, I suppose that that old-fashioned view of of hiking and the outdoors, especially in in uh, traditional kind of white, you know, Western civilizations, you know, or, or as, as societies like like the UK, like Ireland, like North America, you know, look look at the true hiking community in North America, like the the um, the 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 I suppose the participation of non-white uh, true hikers and non-cis white through hikers is staggeringly low like extremely extremely low in fact cal dobbs who i had on on my podcast uh was the first triple crowner uh, uh transgender uh tr- a triple crowner which to me like you know it, it, it's still it's a massive feat for anyone to get a triple triple crown to, to hike the, the all three of those trails but so many people have done it that you would think that there would be more than one person and you, you probably would have thought that you know more than one person would have done it you know years ago um and even with uh black uh, like it, uh, it was um dragonfly uh, dragon sky mm-hmm. she was the second triple cl- uh, uh, black female triple crowner and there's only been a small handful of non-white triple crowners or people who've completed these trails so it's just especially in a country that is as diverse as the United States um, to see, you know, mm. such little participation in those. And put that, and like we can talk all day about where they come from. But again, like we are two white dudes uh, that, that we don't want to like uh, to talk about it too much because, you know, we might get the language wrong, but it is fair yeah. for, enough for us to point out the, the, the large, uh anomalies in in these situations where you're like why why is it that bad why is it being let to get that bad um but it is also at the same time amazing to see groups that are, are forming uh, communities that yeah. are forming across mm. these countries like in the uk you've got muslim hikers uh like you've got the wanderlust women and um, you've got the, the uh black hikers group in in the united states as well and there's many many more that are around 
around the world that are doing very, very similar things. But it's it's that representation. You need to see it. To see, you need to see yourself in those uh, those situations in those communities before you can actually get out there and um, to be a pioneer to be the first person to do that takes a huge amount of courage uh, even though like everybody says the outdoor community the hiking community it's such a welcoming community in a lot of cases it's not in a lot of cases mm. it's not it, it, like some places some towns some people some hiking hill walking clubs they're the, the, the people that are there they're not all very mm. welcoming to everybody you know um would love to think that they are but you know people you know just aren't yeah. friendly you know yeah i i totally agree with that you know it's a common um it's a common complaint i guess that you see of um people from individuals from diverse minority backgrounds coming on the news, for instance, with a BBC article where you'll see a lot of comments at the bottom saying, you know, this is nonsense. Uh, everybody has access to hiking in the outdoors. The outdoors is for all. How can the outdoors discriminate? Blah, blah, blah. And to a point, um, of course, like a, the vast majority of the outdoor community, the vast, vast majority of the outdoor community are so welcoming and happy to embrace anybody within their space. And um it's not even their space within the outdoor spaces and yet it can be ruined like somebody's experience in the outdoors can be ruined by such a small minority of people who are not willing to accept them in that space whether that's a local pub owner who doesn't we've had this experience who who's cross with you for using the toilet yet you know and that was when i went in so i won't go into it but basically i've, I've had an experience where you know i me and a couple of you know white friends are walking out at the same time went into a pub and then uh, to use the toilets and then you know my partner and somebody else who was also brown as well went into use the toilet funnily enough they were the ones who got kind of shouted at by the pub owner you know that's one example yes it could have been something else that annoyed him the fact there's two groups of people using the toilet but you know that was just one example and I've, I've got more examples like that where i've seen the experience of somebody who's brown in the outdoors being very different from the experience of somebody who's white um and you know i think that there is a lot of work to do still. And yet I also see how far that's coming as well. So I'm really excited by seeing how many outdoor groups there are on Instagram alone for, you know, people from diverse underrepresented backgrounds to just get out and do hiking together in a place that feels like containing and safe for them to do that because it's just them doing that together. And I think that's the most wonderful thing. And the more of those groups that can be set up, you know, especially where it's like geographical groups. So for instance, there could be a uh, a group, uh, what's the group uh, called? Uh, is it like, there's a group which is just for um, gay hikers and I can't remember what it's called, but that take that group model. Like if you had that group, which are kind of regional areas, that'd be amazing, you know? Um, and I think there's so much more work to do within that those communities and those spaces. And I think that we'll see in the next sort of five years, the outdoor landscape, completely transform with a lot more representation within it. And I, that's that's my hope because actually I love seeing a, or more representation when I go out hiking. I love it when I see faces on the hill that you would ordinarily see on the hill. Um, I think it's just the most wonderful thing because it just feels, that's just life, that's reality. We live on planet Earth with a whole bunch of different people of all different, you know, skin colors and accents and, you know, in uh, viewpoints even. And I just love it when you see those people out on the hills and, 
it becomes a melting pot of humanity and that's just wonderful so i'm all for it i'm really excited about where things are going in that regard yeah absolutely and and just i suppose keep doing what you're doing as well by 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 uh using your platform as as a way to to elevate these communities and to elevate these voices but it's also great to see that like they are becoming like these communities are becoming the platform as well you know that they're yes it's not they're driving the change exactly it's not it's not podcasts like ours that are driving the change that we're helping we're doing what we can but it's them it's their communities that are actually driving the change themselves which is just amazing like seeing um uh seeing wanderless women like getting sponsored by north face and Mm -hmm. blacks and then haroon uh, getting sponsored by a bunch of no I know we go outside too, which is another black trail running club. They've been sponsored by Merrill, um, which is great. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Mer- yeah. Yeah. Um, Muslim hikers has been, yeah. Uh, yeah. They had, they, they've been sponsored by somebody. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember who. They got a Strava sponsorship at, at one Strava. point. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's so many more, there's so many more Merrill, Merrill is sponsoring uh, the unlikely hikers um they had over in the states where they have like their specialized boot which is uh, like awesome uh mm. just just so many cool things that are going on right now and you know some people might say like again from from that side of the fence where they're like oh you're just doing it's politics so you're doing this for 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 reasons of politics it's like well no this is a sign of the change that yeah. you know representation has to be seen and these companies are 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 helping with that change and at the yeah the change is being driven by the communities, which is just yeah, fantastic. It's, it's grassroots change that brands are realizing that you either jump on the back of it and support it because that's what the community wants, or you know, you miss a, an amazing opportunity to support some something you know that's that's going to really change the outdoor landscape. Um, I think a lot of brands are realizing that you you know it it's so worth jumping on the back of and supporting this because the the, the benefits of that long term is mm. just immeasurable absolutely um we don't have a huge amount of time left but i do want to ask you as a one podcaster to another podcaster who has been your favorite guest Ooh, uh, oh that's a really good question really good question okay so i'm going to go with who sprung to mind first um and i would say rebecca dawson who is uh rebecca the rambler probably my favorite guest um or i'm going to say one of my favorite guests because I've, I've had some amazing guests on the show yeah um but rebecca comes to mind first she was just fantastic she's the chair lady of the ramblers association um and she is also a part of everybody outdoors which is a um hiking community for plus size hikers and i, I think she's fantastic um another guest as well who i would say was great was um chris howard who uh, did you have him on yours yeah yeah, yeah. Chris, chris the ghost walker i love chris and i'm super excited that he's soon going to be doing a uh, a marathon in every national park in the uk so um hopefully i'm going to record another podcast with him fingers crossed um when he's actually out on the trail running those marathons but yeah chris was fantastic as well but yeah rebecca and chris were probably my two favorites yeah it's hard to pick it's really really hard to pick. really difficult to pick because i i you know I very rarely have a podcast. In fact, I don't think I've ever had a podcast where I walked away from it going, that was awful. Um, you know, I have amazing guests on my podcast. So yeah, really, really challenging to pick with with them. But those two really stand out for me. 
Yeah. I'm definitely going to get, get some uh, some notes off you on 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 our podcasting and you know how you're asking questions and stuff like that because I think there's a lot a lot that we can learn from each other. Totally. I think I can learn more from you to be honest. I don't know. <laughs> Just click record and we go. Yeah, um, I'm a bit like that. You'll be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, finally, after all this time, as we said, it's been eighteen. I know. What, what, what took you so long, right? You episode, uh, what, episode two or three with me and we're episode 50 with you and I'm finally on the show. No, I'm joking. It's all good. It's been a pleasure to join you. Oh, uh, yeah. Look, we'll, we'll catch up again soon on the podcast. Hopefully have you on again. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll see each other out on the trail very soon. I'm sure we will. All right. Cheers, Owen. Cheers, Matthew. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hiker Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Matthew Usherwood. Uh, as I said, you can check out uh, his podcast. You can check out the episode that I was on. Maybe not that one, uh, but you can check out all the fantastic interviews that he has on his podcast on Humans of the Trail. Uh, just Google Humans of the Trail and you will find his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back very soon again with another interview, uh, another topic. And until then, happy trails.